Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash recommend today. Back in on the Gabe Coon Show, 92.9 FM ESPN. And it's time to talk with Ty Richardson, co-host of the Morning Rush, 6 to 9 a.m. Monday through Friday um, at ESPN Arkansas. He's on X at Ty Sports Radio, joins every single Wednesday, talks some SEC, some college football as a whole. Ty, what's the word, brother? How are you? Gabe, the boys are finally back home. Arkansas finally playing the game once again at Donald W. Reynolds Razorback Stadium. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of Mississippi State fans, I guess, would make the trip with it being as close as it is to Starkville. So I'm just, I'm just glad this team's not on the road this weekend, to be honest. <laughs> I'd imagine. Uh, but your traveling's been fun, I imagine. I mean, oh wins, gosh, wins yeah. would have been nice. But yeah, there. I mean, there were really close games: Oxford, Baton Rouge, Tuscaloosa, Dallas. Not so much, but and getting to experience these SEC towns is, is pretty unique, as it probably was for you for going to get different Memphis opponents towns. I know you didn't get to do as much of the uh, the frolicking yeah, as I got to definitely do. Definitely not. So. Inside of a hotel, looking at uh, buffet lines, and then uh, the the inside <laughs> of multiple uh, meeting rooms. Yeah, no. I never never quite got to do that. But five straight losses, this has to be the get-right week, right? This has to yes. be. Yes. And Mississippi State's kind of in a similar situation. They haven't won a conference game yet either, so both schools are searching for their first one. And you look at the quarterback situation, don't know about Will Rogers, if he'll play or not on Saturday. Based on some of the things I'm hearing, I, he, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't, which is kind of ironic since KJ didn't play against them last year. I was hoping to see these guys battle it out like two years ago. But huge game for not just the Razorbacks, but the Bulldogs as well, Kate. No question about it. No question. I mean, I, I think for Arkansas, though, like looking down the stretch of their schedule, I I am concerned about them getting to a bowl game. I, I have to say it. I mean, Mississippi State at Florida in the swamp is just going to be a tough game. Auburn, I think uh, we, we've seen that they're not very good, and especially offensively, they just do not have a passing game really at all. Um, but then Mizzou, like they have to, they have to sneak out a, a majority of these games, and I'm not fully positive they're going to be able to do that. What, what's your what's your positivity level like right now that they're going to be able to save a bowl game after this five game losing streak? Well, like you said, it got it. It has to start this weekend. But Florida looks more formidable than maybe they did before the season. And with Brock Bowers out at Georgia for four to six weeks, I think that's going to be a lot closer game in Jacksonville with two weeks than maybe we initially thought. So I think that that road game you kind of circle. You can't really do that anymore going to Gainesville. Missouri's way better. They may be surprised. The surprise team in the SEC, depending on how their season shakes out. I think Drinkowitz is probably going to win Coach of the Year. So yeah, it's. 
it is still not as tough as the stretch they just went through, Gabe, but on paper it's a lot more difficult than maybe you initially thought it was before this season. Um, for Brock Bowers, I was I was sort of discussing this off air with a couple of buddies. Should he even come back? Like obviously when you look at like maybe a national championship possibility, but um tightrope surgery four to six weeks, it just feels like this is the top tight end in the class, no questions asked. Um the NFL is is calling his name. I think there's some there's some questions about, you know, if he does come back, how's he gonna look? Would it be a smart move? It's a great question. Uh, I'm going to be honest. I didn't contemplate it until you thought. If they're in contention for a national championship, then I still think he'll. I come think he'll back. play, but should should he? I guess would probably be the more the the more applicable question. That and I think it's it's always the correct answer from the listeners and the Georgia fans. Everyone's like, yes, he should yes, play. Of course, but we're not in that situation. We're not in the the value like mindset of, well, I only have a certain number of years in the National Football League to get the next big contract if it, if it lingers and injured. So I don't know what's going through his head. He seems like a competitor. I don't, I, again, I, I don't have maybe the inside scoop that some people in Athens do. So I would guess he's going to come back and play. The question you asked is, should he? I mean, you got a chance to be a three-time national right. champion. <laughs> Kids can't say that nowadays. I mean, you haven't been able to say that since – Again, go all the way back, at least back-to-back-to-back since the Minnesota team did in the 30s or 40s in the year. So I I would think he'll come back. And honestly, Gabe, if they're a national championship contingent, I think the smart thing is to come back to do something that no college game has done in quite some time. For sure. And I think on the back end he'll be taken care of anyway. Um, But he is – he's can't miss to me. Like, I just look at him – at the tight end position, his pass catching ability, it feels like at the next level he's going to thrive just about immediately. Yeah, I mean, and think about it, they had Darnell Washington last year too. <laughs> they had, they had right. two guys, two freaks to throw the ball to, Sir Stetson Bennett. And the tight end position is so unique. I mean, you played alongside one. If you have a skill set where you you're about six four, six five, can catch and run, linebackers too, too slow, safeties and corners are too small, and yep. it's. It's the offset. I know people say the great equalizer is the, the running quarterback, and there's a lot of truth to that. But really, it's the tight end, especially in the red zone, when everything gets so compact. And that's why Georgia has been so dominant these last couple of years. And now we're going to see what they can do without the best, not just the best player in the SEC, but one of them in all of college football. Yeah, and I like just looking at since he's been in college, he leads. All tight ends and FBS and receptions, receiving yards and receiving TDs. He just like all the. He's got the triple crown for sure when it comes to tight ends and in in the FBS. Now uh, Tennessee, Bama. What what are we thinking early on this? Tennessee, I think offensively has not uh, still hasn't really quite hit their stride. There's been moments, um, but defensively they look like a better team. They got the win over Texas A and M twenty to thirteen, but they have to travel to Bama. This week, we know that last year this game was in Knoxville and it came down to a field goal. Tennessee was able to get over top. Um, do, do we? I mean, Bama has been sort of been a lot of close shaves. I'd imagine this would be similar, but can Tennessee get over top in your opinion? Milton is nowhere near what Hicker, Hooker was last year because he can't make the short intermediate throws. He's got a cannon for an arm. We know that. But what made Hooker so valuable is not only the the fact that he's been in college for what seemed like a decade is that he can make pretty much all the throws and right. his leadership was off the charts. I don't know, that's not to denigrate Milton, but 
I mean, there's just a stark difference between the two. They might have a better defense. Heck, they might have a better running game with three-head monster. But their offense, in terms of the verticality, is not as good because you couldn't you, – you can stay deep on these guys because the, the short throws are just not as much of a threat. And we got to be honest. I mean, you lost Jalen Hyatt. Yep. I mean, he's the, he was the best, in my opinion, the best wide receiver in college football last year and five touchdowns against Bama. You're just not going to replace that type of production. I got the Crimson Tide one on Saturday in a close one. Uh, I picked that before the season. I'm sticking to it, Gabe. Yeah, but it, one thing with this Tennessee offense that they've been able to do, I think, most games, Jalen Wright is a stud. Jalen Wright mm-hmm. really can run the hell out of the ball. And they, and they really do have a two-headed two-headed uh, attack there with Jabari Small. But Jalen Wright, 7.1 yards per carry so far this year. He's only got the one TD rushing, which is strange. But Jalen Wright is a guy that they need to try to utilize as much as possible, if it's going to be possible. But Alabama's defense, we do have to give credit where credit's due. The reason that they're still in this somewhat outside-looking-in college football playoff conversation as, as we get down the stretch, reason that is the case is I, I, I believe that defense is all it was cracked up to be with Kevin Steele in year one. Yeah, and I'll say this. Arkansas not having any turnovers last week was a surprise. They played a clean game, two penalties, zero turnovers, but Alabama's Alabama on defense, not necessarily on vintage what they've been doing on offense lately, but they're forcing turnovers and, and just making other opponents' lives a little bit you-know-what. If they do that again this Saturday against Milton, especially in that atmosphere in Tuscaloosa, it's it's just going to be really hard for Heupel to generate the same numbers they did last year. It's not going to take 52 points like last season, I believe, but I do think it is going to take at least 30 and I don't know if Tennessee can manage that based on they've been up and down on offense this year, Gabe. Now, I want to I transition a little bit to the Pac-12 because last week, I think last weekend the Pac-12 won when it came to um, sort of what was out there, the national spotlight, of course, Oregon and Washington. But I want to start with USC. We've talked about this on multiple occasions. Um, and I really don't think it was fully the defense's fault, although they did allow 48 points against Notre Dame at Notre Dame, but it was 48-20. Uh, Caleb Williams set them up, though, for, for failure in a lot of ways with the three turnovers. Uh, Notre Dame had short fields all night, but this was a full-on expose of Lincoln Riley, of USC, and it shows that down the stretch of this season, they're due for one, one or two more of those, it feels like. Yeah, you had the clunkers last year against Utah, and I actually had a friend that was having an atmosphere game. He's married into a Notre Dame family. So oh, that, wow. It, it, that setup is just unbelievable. Right. I didn't know that they, there's a contract stipulation between the two schools that says that USC doesn't have to travel like after October something because I guess the Trojans are too, fair, too scared to play in the cold. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, defensively, that's one of the better teams in the country. They, they've done a great job. Um, and Marcus Freeman and his staff have done a great job on that side of the football. And the offense, again, capitalized on those mistakes. Did you see Caleb Williams in that pressure look like he did not want to be there, which I guess after you get blown out and you have your first three-interception game. Yeah, probably, and, and you also realize the Heisman campaign is just dead. It's, it's dead. Yeah, it's done. It's over with. And – there's a reason, and you said it last week when we had it. We almost root for guys not to repeat. Right. I'm. I'm going to be honest. I was kind of rooting for him not to repeat, but I don't know who I want to win. I mean, you got again, and I. I'll never root for a Texas quarterback to win. But I was like, okay, well, maybe Quinn Ewers will do it the way he's played. But then they do what Loss. they do against Oklahoma. Maybe it's Gabriel. They're, I mean, it really, that Heisman Trophy. Yeah. I mean, we'll get to him in a Heisman second. Trophy race is is wide open right now. Yeah, but Caleb Williams, I, 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 
that was just as rough a game I've ever seen him play. And obviously it had, he got sacked six times, and Notre Dame's defense is very good. But that that USC team, like, it's just strange. I Lincoln Riley's teams have their shortcomings, usually on the defensive side of the ball. But usually they come ready to play. I didn't see a team that was ready for the fight they were about to get into with Notre Dame. I don't know if they thought Notre Dame was going to roll over, but they looked completely ill-prepared for that game. Yeah, and the deal about Riley, like you said, it's the defense that usually lets them down, but it was really offense, not to say their defense was just giving them every bit of reason to go win that football game, but yeah, that was a peculiar uh, thing that happened on Saturday in, uh, in South Bend, and I just wonder, like you said, I don't think that's the only clunker we see out of them the rest of the season. There are some monumental games still to be played in the Pac-12. I can't wait. You mentioned Bo Nix's Heisman Trophy campaign. I mean, what a what a battle him and Penix had. Yeah. Penix obviously still at the top of that list as well after that win. Uh, there are still some monumental games that are going to be played out west, and it's the final year, so we got to pay attention to it one last time. And by the way, with that USC-Notre Dame game, last thing on that, um, I think all around that game was terrible. Um, you had 48-20, so it just wasn't close. USC was not competing in any meaningful way. And I don't know if you watched that game and, and listened to the booth that they had, but I'm, I'm sorry, Jack Collinsworth and Jason Garrett as, as a booth just ain't it on NBC. That, well, that, that, yeah. was, that just jumped out. As soon as I, I, I listened to them sort of call the game, just no excitement, nothing, nothing impressed me about the booth they had at NBC. <laughs> It's nepotism, man. Oh, Chris I mean, Collinsworth. it really is. That one hundred percent. And I like. I think Chris Collinsworth is is great on Sunday nights, but I mean, his son is in that position because of his father. And Jason Garrett, I never understood why NBC hired a failed cow. And the keyword is Cowboys head football coach right. to begin with. I just I didn't get the hire, and then to put him on Notre Dame broadcast uh, just. I would and you, they man. Keep, what's what's strange about Jason Garrett is they keep running him out there when I think the consumer is is sort of answered um, several times. I, most people I talk to, uh, especially in the business, say that he's just boring. He's just he, yeah. he's not he's not captivating in any way, shape, or form. That doesn't make him a bad person. That no, of make course him, not. Of course not. It, no, it, it's just some guys are meant for this gig and some guys are I would be a terrible play-by-play guy I'd be a terrible <laughs> analyst I know that I swear too much during games and I didn't play football through ninth grade so I mean my analysis would be would be it would be dim at the at the slightest so but I realized that some guys I guess are just in it and uh I don't know if Collinsworth's going to be doing that next year I don't know what his contract looks like but for Notre Dame fans I trust me I've I've talked to one or two of them. They feel that exact same way, Gabe. Yeah. Um, now, that Washington-Oregon game was sort of a class. I, th- I would I would argue game of the year, um, just based on it being a top-ten matchup, coming down to the final seconds, missed field goal, uh, loses the game for Oregon. Um, I think I think in a lot of ways, though, like Dan Lanning, while he trusts his team, and, and I, I respect that, I thought he trusted his team, his offense, a little bit too much. Had two goal-line situations where he turned the ball over on downs. Uh, went for it at the end of the game with a 33-29 lead on the Washington 47, turns it over to Michael Penix. Michael Penix has a 53-yard field to go score with. He's generally going to make that happen. I do think the game was great, but I hate to say it, outside of Michael Penix being probably one or two in the Heisman race, 
one of my biggest takeaways was Dan Lanning mismanaged that game. And I don't know if I've seen that fully um, in, in his career with Oregon, short career with Oregon so far. And you know Alabama people were watching that game once the Arkansas game, again, was concluded. And golly, that we should have we wanted Tuscaloosa, man. But uh, <laughs> to that point, I mean, there's there's all this speculation out there. Who's going to take the next Bama job? And I know one of the popular names out there is Dan Lanning. So any mismanagement, any like misfire on his part is going to be viewed by not just Bama fans, but others who think he's going to take their head coach's job. Oh, you see this, you see that. And it's a bummer for Oregon because I think they're a better matchup for some better Big Ten and SEC teams than Washington is. And I think Penix is fantastic. I just don't know. And I know they got two 100-yard-per-game receivers. I'm just curious how everything else stacks up against, say, an Ohio State, Michigan, Georgia, Alabama, if they are pitted at one another in the college football playoff. Yeah, but Roma Dunsey, Jalen Polk, when Jalen McMillan gets back healthy, that wide receiver core is ridiculous, and they have a quarterback. In my opinion, so far this year, watched a lot of quarterback play, good and bad. I think that's the best deep ball thrower in, in, in college football right now, Michael Penix. It's he, just always, he drops it into a bucket. He always gives his wide receiver a chance, and that's all they need, too, because they're so talented. Yeah, and Gabe, the thing about him, I just love lefty quarterbacks. Yes. Like I love watching Kellen Moore in college at Boise State. He wasn't the flashiest, but there's something about how they release. And same with lefty golfers. I just think it's so unique. So for him, he has that draw. He's got the numbers, and he, he just has that it factor like you were talking about. Like you, There are certain guys, if you give it to them with 50-something yards less than a minute to go, yeah. you just know they're going to score. And, yes. and he's one of the – Probably 10 dudes in college football that's in that category. And that's why I wish Dan Lanning would have, have taken into consideration, yes, it's fourth and three. Yes, you want to trust your offense and Bo Nix. They've been playing well all year. Bo Nix is still, I think, in the Heisman race to a certain extent. Um, but you got to realize who's on the other side of the ball sometimes. You, you have to take that into consideration. I don't know if he took that into consideration right there. Now, we've talked about Dabo Sweeney and his fall from grace and Clemson's fall from grace. But this most recent comment, I have not. I, I, I'm assuming you've seen it, Ty, but if you haven't, I'm going to read it to you. I just can't understand what Dabo is doing when he steps up to the podium. Like the, the quote he gave this week was, we're at a point in our time, and of course they're four and two. They just had a bye week. They <laughs> last time out they beat Wake Forest seventeen to twelve. Remember, Wake Forest does not have Sam Hartman anymore, so keep that in mind. But he said we're at a point in our time. If you don't go undefeated, you're losers. You're terrible. Maybe we need to lose a few games and lighten up the bandwagon. Sometimes the bandwagon can get a little too full. That was the end of his quote. Now I just want to uh, sort of put it out there this way: Could you imagine? Nick Saban ever saying anything like that? Could you imagine Kirby Smart ever saying anything like that? It feels as if every time this Clemson program has gone through its struggles, instead of Dabo talking about his offseason and getting into the portal more and trying to uh, you know, support his players in their NIL ventures a little bit more, it's always him trying to insulate himself. I think before this, he said in that Duke game when they lost 28-7 to to open the year, he said if two, two different plays go a, a different way, if we finish our drives, we win that game. He said we're a couple plays away from being 6-0. and So I just I find it strange, his messaging, because I think a lot of people want him to learn, and it doesn't feel like the messaging he's putting out there is that of someone who's learning along the way. It feels like someone who is – 
trying to insulate himself again from, from criticism. Some coaches are stuck in their old ways, regardless of how old they are. He seems to be one of those. There was the time at Clemson that it was Clemsoning. Like you had a right. great season, but it ended with one or two games that you shouldn't have lost. Then you got past that point. And you started making the college football playoff. You won a couple national championships. And now you're back to, again, early losses and getting kicked out and wondering where do we go from here. And you're looking to your head coach, if you're a Clemson fan, for hope. And he's not necessarily giving you what you want based on, again, that quote you just rehearsed. So I think if you're Clemson, you're frustrated. Again, you referenced Saban and Smart. Could you imagine? Like, no chance they'd ever say anything like yeah. that. Yeah, and again, what makes Nick Saban the best coach of all time is his adaptability, his willingness to change, though he is stubborn in certain things. He realizes after a year or two, I have to change, and Davo still hasn't done that. I'm curious if he ever does, like you said. Yeah, and it's just like, basically, if I'm reading through the quote, he's trying to sell that maybe losing's a good thing so he can figure out who are real, who's really there for us, who's really our, who, who our real fans are. Like what? Uh-huh. What kind of message is that? That that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. No. You want all hands on deck. Um, and also, I think when you talk about expectations, I think that there is a in this day and age. I mean, at Bama, at Georgia, like fans can get spoiled very quickly. We're we're very familiar with that. Like if you have a ten win season and don't make the college football playoff at Bama, it is a failed season in a lot of ways. But when you create these expectations and you show what can be done at a particular program, hell, we're running into that a little bit with Ryan Silverfield in the in the lack of results here at Memphis. We've seen what this program can be, so expectations got created, and when you don't reach those expectations, fans, I think rightfully, in a lot of ways, can get angry with not getting back to where they feel like they should be. Yeah, and for Clemson, and it's right next to Atlanta that plays in a lesser conference, you should be in contention every single year. That their their expectations that have risen tremendously since he got that team rolling, and they're not going to go away. And once you once you create the monster, you got to feed the beast. That's yeah. what the, the great Lowen Richardson once said. And for Memphis, like close to home, of course, where you're at right now, when you think about Fuente, you think about Norvell, and some of the things that were going on in the Liberty Bowl when those two guys were coaching. And it's they're. It's not exactly an easy act to fall. People act like when a coach has success somewhere, it's always an easy act. It's not always. There's different philosophies, different formulas, different ways of managing your program. And coaches, like when, when I think when fans get the most mad is when they try and lower expectations publicly. When you're asking for donations, you're asking right. for season tickets, you're asking for NIL stuff. And then when their expectations aren't met as a fan base and you try and like belabor those expectations, like what Shane Beamer's doing in South Carolina right now, it ticks people off. And I right. don't know that if that's happened in Silverfield, Memphis, or not, but I can tell you fans are not happy in Fayetteville across Arkansas. Fans aren't happy in Columbia across South Carolina. There's countless other fan bases that would tell you that exact same thing. And speaking of Shane, I mean, just the state of South Carolina is going through it with their football teams, aren't they? Shane Beamer's kicking walls. Dabo's telling his fans that they're full of it. <laughs> the state of South yeah. Carolina is having a rough week. I have to say, I still can't. By the way, speaking of last week, I cannot understand how South Carolina let that get away the way they did. That was in Williams Bryce. That Gabe. was awful. That was yeah. awful. Ten and point South lead Carolina. late in that game, and then you. I mean, I do think there's some validity to what I heard 
from uh, Shane Beamer after the game. He said we had like blitzes dialed up and guys weren't coming and you know they just weren't as disciplined as they should have been. I think that that probably rings true. I did think it was interesting to look at how everybody viewed Shane Beamer's post game comments, where he sort of he seemed to deflect. Right, he it seemed like he was deflecting and throwing a lot of the blame on his players. Yeah, which is a no-no in the public eye. Yes, you can do that privately. You you know that better than anyone. Coaches got to take it on the chin. You get all the credit when you win, and you you grab all the blame when you lose. That's just part of it. And when you get that credit when you win, you pass to your players and you pass to your staff. You're getting paid the big bucks. You got to when you when your team loses. You got to take all the bashing. You're not getting paid the whatever millions of dollars he is without it. So, anytime that happens, a locker room, depending on how the the form of it, whether it's assistants or players, they don't they don't always adapt to that well. So right. I'm curious against South Carolina had expectations. I mean, they had a strong end of the season last year. I mean, you beat Clemson, you beat you smashed Tennessee. You got some big marquee wins. And how this team responds down the stretch in the kind of back half of the season is going to be really telling about this this squad and, and Shane Beamer, too. Yeah. yeah. Last few things for Ty Richardson, uh, co-host of the Morning Rush, 6 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday at ESPN Arkansas. He's on X at Ty Sports Radio. Um, do you have a feel on this Penn State-Ohio State game? Ohio State four-and-a-half-point favorites, 11 a.m. on Fox. It's going to be an early game. Do you have any feel on this? I think I, Penn State is one of those teams – that never seems to come up big under James Franklin in those big games. Um, but I do feel like they're slightly different. Like, Drew Aller is a real solid quarterback. This is a guy who was the number one quarterback recruit, I believe, in 2022, and he reclassified. And uh, Noah, uh, Nick Singleton, solid running back. Uh, they, they have a, another running back there in that backfield. His name escapes me at the at the particular moment. The O-line's good, good defense. This Penn State team feels different, but, again, it's Ohio State at Ohio State. Yeah, you're, you're playing in the horseshoe. You're not playing in Happy Valley, and that's a big difference because they've been Ohio State before there. I don't think they've ever won in Columbus under James Franklin, so it's, it's tough, and they always play them tight, I feel like, but – they don't ever come up on the high side when they're on the road. So I would still get the edge to Ohio State being the home favorite, but it's going to be a massive game. And for Big Ten country and, and Big 12 to a certain extent, I, I know they're not a huge fan of playing that game at 11 o'clock, but it is nice to game have college game day on. And instead of turning it or keeping it on ESPN for just a regular right. kind of mid-game, mid I mean, you go right to the matchup of the day. You don't have yep. to wait till 6 or 7 that night. It's on, baby, and I don't know how many Penn State and Ohio State fans we have, but college football fans, it's a feast right at 11 a.m. What's your buy-in on Ohio State, though, last thing? man? The Notre Dame Dame game did something for me. I I will say that. And defensively, they have been way better than they ever have been, I think, under Ryan Day. Yeah, I mean – their quarterbacks just kind of, nah, you're you're not sold on him just yet. I mean, there's playmakers all over the field like there usually is. He'll get better. They usually do. But defensively, like you said, they've hounded teams and just thoroughly dominated that side of the football at times. Anytime you have a staunch defense, it's not going to be easy for the other opponent to, again, figure things out. I mean, that Ohio State-Michigan game, if they get by this week, that looms large as it always does. Michigan's got to go to Penn State this year. So 
I'm still not 100%. So, I mean, Michigan's the team to be in the Big Ten right now, but they are uh, – Ohio State has a, again, a, can put can put themselves in a great step because they'll have already beaten Penn State. Michigan's still got to go to Happy Valley for that game. Yep, so we'll see what happens. Big Ten's going to be interesting, see how it all plays out down the stretch of the season. And uh, happy National No Beard Day to you. I know you're a, <laughs> you're famously a no, no non-bearded guy. Yes, and yeah. by famously, I'm a uh, I'm a feminine man, so I can't grow it as great as you can. I wish I could. Do you have to like um, shave? You get a little peach fuzz. You have to shave off every once in a while. Gabe, I shave my beard every Thursday. I mean, every Thursday, beard shaver. I know you have to either trim or shave. Probably if what, I if I let it go for a full week, Thursday to Thursday, I would look like a mountain man. And I probably would people would really? argue I people would argue I already look like that, but. Yes, it it grows in very fast. Let's go. See, that's a man's man right there. That's why he's anchoring the the afternoons on ESPN ninety two nine because no one's gonna no one's gonna mess with the mountain man. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Ty, appreciate it, man. We'll do it again it, next Gabe. week. Thanks, buddy. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend four point four hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.